With cybersecurity becoming more complex and the threats even more dangerous, knowing what to do to protect yourself can seem like an impossible task. That is until now. Welcome to the Cyberbytes Podcast, where we help you filter through the noise one bite at a time. Well, good afternoon. This is Nick Sturgeon with the Cyber Bites Podcast. Welcome to another episode. And as I was listening to the intro there, and we talk about dangerous, or at least the dangers of cybersecurity, it may seem hyperbole to many folks, but this first story that I'm going to cover really gets to why and how cybersecurity can affect your life and is really a matter of life and death. So it's not hyperbole. You may hear from other folks within the industry. You've heard it from myself if you've listened to the podcast in this form or in the, the previous form, talking about the dangers. And it's not just the financial dangers, which are real, who wants to lose money? Who wants to have their the prices of the goods and services that we use each and every day go up? Or the heartache and the frustration of trying to put your accounts on you know a, a freeze or get new debit cards, credit cards, and all of those hassles that you have to go through? Yeah, those are in, a major inconvenience. But this first story is really... I mean, it's sad, it's tragic, but it is just something that we have to, to worry about. And as I posted on my or the show's Facebook page, which, by the way, if you're not following this show, please go to facebook.com slash cyberbytespod. Sign up. I post news and other things there. Or on the Twitter, if you're in the Twitter sphere, it's cyberbytespod. Go follow me. You know, and also while I'm at it... You know, just go to iTunes or Apple Podcasts, as it's being called now, Stitcher. We're on Spotify, y'all, as well as Amazon. So go sign up. There's no excuse not to be signed up to this podcast. We're everywhere. But anyway, I, I digress. Cybersecurity is a life and death, excuse me, life and death situation. And this particular case coming out of Germany um, just a, not quite a week ago, somebody actually died in a German hospital because they had a, a ransomware attack and could not get the healthcare service that they need because of this cyber attack. Now, it made pretty big news because... This is the first documented case of someone dying because of a ransomware attack. Now, I work in the healthcare system here in Indiana. Even though I'm relatively new into cybersecurity as it relates to healthcare, but I've been in cyber for a while now, and this was a major concern that somebody would actually die because of these attacks. And again, as I mentioned earlier, we were blown off as, oh, this is just hyperbole. This is, you're just over-exaggerating. You're trying to drum up support for money or whatever the case may be. And here we have a case of someone actually dying. Pretty, 
big news. Obviously, extremely tragic. And that is first and foremost, somebody is not alive because of this ransomware attack. Now, I, I'm on BBC.com's article of this. Their article, Police Launch Homicide Inquiry After German Hospital Hack. This was written by Joe Tidy, a cybersecurity reporter, posted five days ago. German police have launched a homicide investigation after a woman died during a cyber attack on a hospital. Hackers disabled computer systems at Dusseldorf University Hospital, and the patient died while doctors attempted to transfer her to another hospital. Cologne prosecutor officially launched a negligent homicide case this morning and five days ago, saying hackers could be blamed. One ex expert said if confirmed, it would be the first known case of a live being lost as a result of a hack. Again, pretty big flipping deal here. The ransomware attack hit the hospital on the night of September 9th, scrambling data and making computer systems inoperable. Such attacks are one of the most serious threats in cybersecurity with dozens of high-profile attacks so far this year. Attackers can damage large payments, or excuse me, hackers can demand large payments in cryptocurrency, Bitcoin in exchange for a software key that unlocks IT systems. The female patient from Dusseldorf was due to have scheduled life-saving treatment and was transferred to another hospital in Wuppertal, which is roughly 19 miles for you folks here in the U.S. or 30 kilometers for everybody else in the world away from the hospital in Dusseldorf. This, again, I, I cannot stress, is an unfortunate reality that we are now in. We have crossed over a line that we can never come back from. We've been affected by ransomware attacks that have happened over the years, mainly through financial losses or services not being able to be provided, whether in retail or finance or any other industry. One of the first ransomware attacks that I remember really diving into happened in Hollywood, California a few years ago when the hospital system there, the Hollywood hospital, was hit. And since then, many other hospitals have been hit with ransomware. Even one here locally in Indiana, in central Indiana, the Hancock Regional ransomware attack. Very, very public. Steve Long, who's the CEO of Hancock Regional Hospitals, as well as their managed security uh, provider, have been very, very open about the process and the effects of a ransomware attack on you know, a health system. Again, very publicly highlighted, talked about. Uh, Steve and, and folks from that company have been very, very much out on the, the speaking circuit, or they were talking about that whole ordeal. And I'll post some information about their experiences and what they have, have shared publicly. Um, can't really go, and, and I won't go too much of it on the show for reasons that I really won't get into um, here publicly. But it, it, it 
just goes to show that we have moved into a new level of seriousness when it comes to cybersecurity. Now, it's been serious. Don't get me wrong. You know, I think about attacks like the black energy attack that happened in Ukraine on their power systems, uh, uh, you know, about four-ish years ago, maybe five-ish years ago. Pretty serious. People not being able to get power and the downstream effects with your power going out. Water treatment plants, sewage treatment plants can't process, can't treat if they don't have power. Food becomes an issue across the board. So it's been serious. And now, unfortunately, it's a matter, it has been a matter of uh, of a death, at least the first reported. Um, now, I whether or not there's been some, you know, correlation or potential connections um kind of get into uh make a little covid joke here whether you've died from covid or it's been covid related death um it's kind of a similar thing here where it's someone has been directly impacted you know in this case uh, their death is directly related or linked to the ransomware attack versus um kind of you know not really they died but as maybe a result of something else right you can don't know it's pretty big speculation at that point but we as individuals need to take this seriously and people in the industry have been taking this seriously for years our whole jobs have been to get other people to take it seriously and it's been a challenge the the acceptance of it has taken far too long. There's still folks that I feel, at least my own personal opinion, still don't really get it. They don't understand why it matters to them. They start thinking about the bits and bytes of of the technologies and all of the complications and start glassing their you know, eyes get glassed over and you know then they lose interest. It, it, whatever the case, it, that is just the way it is. People are not interested. But I'm telling you, on this show right now, you've got to wake up. You've got to take this seriously. I would love to say this would be the only documented case of somebody losing their life as a result of a cybersecurity incident. And I'm hopeful. I am really hopeful. I have call myself a optimistic realist. <laughs> I want things to be good, but I'm also one that lives in reality and say, unfortunately, this is probably only the first. And that really, really is a sad thing for me, but it also gives me purpose. And I think it gives a lot of people that I work with and I know, and those that are in this industry that have dedicated their lives to making people safe or their data safe think this gives us even more purpose you know doubling and tripling down on our efforts to make sure this doesn't happen again and i would call on you to take some time demand from those people or those businesses that you interact with you exchange commerce with take this seriously i am a firm believer that we as the individuals will have far more greater results if we band together and start really demanding that the the businesses 
we engage in commerce with take cybersecurity seriously. They take our privacy seriously. Even with government demanding it through laws and regulations, businesses will be resistant. They will only do what they minimally have to do to be compliant with the law. And you know, even HIPAA, I live and breathe HIPAA right now. A lot of agency, a lot of organizations look at HIPAA as this is the minimum things that I, I have to do versus the, and actually let me step that back a little bit, roll, roll that back is they say, well, this is what I, I'm being required to do. And that's the, basically the ceiling of what they are going to do. And anything more than that's just a waste. But these things are, especially the when it's focused on HIP or and even some of the other laws, it's meant to be the floor, not the ceiling. But that's why we as individuals have so much power in this conversation. If we start demanding and saying, you know what, if you aren't going to take privacy and security seriously, then I'm going to take my dollars to another business, your competitor who is taking this serious and then we leave and we don't go back once enough customers leave these businesses will start taking this much more serious than they have been and there are those out there that have so don't get me wrong and kudos to them but still i think because we keep seeing cybersecurity incidents day in and day out breach after breach after breach and every one of them is getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, that there are still plenty of companies that are not taking this serious. And at the end of the day, it is information about you and I that is out there. It's not really, there's some effect to the companies, but we are, as the individuals, are left holding the bag. And you know, well, you know, the SEC or FCC or whatever the regulatory body is goes and finds them. That money's not coming back to you or me. Even if there's a class action lawsuit, if there's 100,000 people that are affected in that database or a million, the time they settle that and determine what that settlement amount is, you're talking dollars and pennies. What would come back to you? That's not really restitution. We are not made whole. We cannot get our information about us back. And as we've seen, at least here in Indiana, and I can say this from some personal experience, there's been fraud as it relates to the CARES Act funding, the unemployment monies that have been made available to those who have lost their jobs as a result of, of government's COVID response, which I think has been absolutely horrible and destructive, but that information that they have on you and I is out there waiting for situations like this where they can try to take advantage and fraudulently take money that is meant to help people and steal it. Whether or not you agree with the the amounts of monies or the government you know, providing this financial support or not, it is what it is. It was done. But if it's going to go to those who truly need it, then it needs to go to those who truly need it. And those that are trying to 
take advantage of it and steal that money, those who need it are affected. And it's just, again, it's fraud. It's a crime on top of the crime that already happened. And at the end of the day, there's no justice for us. Company, you know, settling a large amount of money, whether it's $100 million plus or whatever those settlements are at right now, we're not going to be made whole. And that's a problem. So that's why we need to stand up. And I will always be an advocate of the individual responsibility and individual standing up and demanding those who we do business with. And that includes the government, state and locals. And, you know, I got a lot of friends in state government and I know here in Indiana, they're doing a lot. So I really can't complain about the effort that's going in. And and one of those that doesn't just complain to complain, I'm a part of those efforts. I'm doing what I can to help the government, the state government out when it comes to cybersecurity. Not much I can do on the, the federal level, but just be an advocate and be a voice for change, be a little bit of a thorn in their side, and just make sure that they're doing everything correctly, which I will use as a nice little segue to this next article where they, the federal government did not get this one right. And I, I really cannot strongly oppose this action any more than I I can and do right now. And I want to thank Lindsay Marie for sending this to me on Twitter, uh, uh, making me aware of it. And let me get to that message here. And I did a little bit of, of research uh, additionally today, but it's a screenshot. It says a current DHS official described a co- or described a colleague with the experience in electronic surveillance who was being deployed to Portland, but for what purpose? Extracting information for from protesters' cell phones. The DH official said, while important in Portland, an interagency task force involving DHS and the Justice Department used a sophisticated cell phone cloning attack, the details of which remain classified, to intercept protesters. Phone communication, according to two former intelligence officers familiar with this matter. Now, the article I have up is from the Washington Po, and is dated July 20th of, of this year. And it begins, the Department of Homeland Security has authorized its personnel to collect information on protesters who threaten to damage or destroy public memorials and statues regardless of whether they're on federal property, a significant expansion of authorities that have historically been used to protect landmarks from terrorist attacks. Now, I will say if if someone is just threatening, mm, okay, probably definitely not a good thing to, to go spying on them. If they're damaging a any property public or not, uh, they're not a protester. So I, I think that small little difference makes a lot of, of you know, for me, it makes a, a huge difference. Protesters who are out there 
and peacefully assembling to air their grievances. And I mentioned this on the last episode. Those are protesters. Now, the one thing about the mainstream media when it comes to these riots, if they're not protesters, they're rioters. And someone, and we need to distinguish this and, and, and put this out there, someone can go from peacefully protesting, that activity's fine, but as soon as they start damaging public or private property, they are no longer a protester. They are a rioter. Very, very important distinguishment in that um, definition. And the the issue here for me is at what point, if someone is peacefully protesting and exercising their constitutional rights, the government has no business in identifying who is peacefully protesting. To me, if they are doing that, that is a communist state. That is an authoritarian state that is willing to do that and absolutely not for it. Now, where we get into a little bit of gray area is once they start demonstrating criminal activities, you know, they've crossed that line and they're actually damaging property. Now, does the surveillance, can it happen? Well, you know, and if they are having these technologies deployed while the protesting protests are going on and there's no indication of probable cause, they don't have probable cause to then begin that surveillance activity. It's very, very much in legal muddy waters at that point, in my opinion that the surveillance activities on peaceful, non-criminal individuals, absolutely not okay. So I just want to make sure that is clear. And I, I still personally have an issue with that technology being deployed even when riots are going on because whom else that are, you know, who, and, and actually let me say this, they say it this way, that technology is probably just not affecting those rioters. They're probably gaining and, and bringing in telephones or those cell phone signals from folks that are not committing any crimes. I mean, I, I have a problem with that. I, I really do. And I know some folks that do signal intel for law enforcement, and they're good people. Don't get me wrong. It's not the people I have an issue with per se, I have an issue with the technology and the collateral damage that deploying this technology can have. Getting one person that's causing problem, getting their cell phone information at the expense of someone else or multiple people who are not engaged in acts of violence, who are not breaking the law, I think I I have a huge problem with that. I, I don't think the collateral damage, I don't think the benefit of having that technology deployed outweighs the constitutional issues that are there with the use of this technology. There is a lot of private information that being able to track where you're someone who is peacefully being there, who's not breaking the law for them to track and surveil you. And that is not okay. And that may tick off some of my law enforcement friends. And I'm okay with that. When we use these cyber technologies, we have to 
look at the benefits and the risk. And it isn't necessarily my job or your job to make law enforcement's life easier. And any technology that violates our constitutional rights, our civil liberties at the expense, well, at that being the expense, but at the benefit of catching some criminals, some rioters, I, I to me, the scales don't balance. That intrusion is far, at the, or at least the intrusion on those that are not violating the law, is heavy. And I think it outweighs the benefit in pretty much every case. Now, I'm sure there's some folks out there that can, you know, would come back at me with, oh, what about this situation or with that situation? And I would say to that, let's have a conversation about it. Maybe there's something I'm missing or, or whatever the case, but it's got to be a pretty damn good reason. And the thing is, and it, if it is being used, it shouldn't be just at the whim of some government bureaucrat or even the president. We have the Fourth Amendment to be secure in our property. And the information that we have about our, ourselves on these cell phones is ours. The papers part of that is it really goes into the information about us and the information that we have and for that to be interrupted requires a warrant the constitution is very very clear on that all right i think i have beat that one up enough um, no getting a little bit heavier today and and been heavy i <laughs> started out the gate pretty heavy um, with the uh, cyber or cyber security ransomware attack, uh, so I, I really I think that I had planned to talk about some more election stuff. Um, Facebook's out there, and this news from today. I mean, they're looking at quote unquote break glass tools to restrict content if violence erupts after elections. And I I heard Tony Katz on WIBC talking about this this morning is also on a, a Facebook post, he, or not Facebook, a Twitter post he, he put out there this morning. I mean, that you want to talk about election interference? Yeah, the Russian and Chinese are, are, are most likely doing it, but man, who needs enemies when we've got f uh, friends like Facebook really, really playing a heavy hand in our elections? I mean, who needs a foreign government interfering when we have people within our own country interfering. So I'll probably take a little bit more time to put some related stories together on this. Cause there's, I've got some articles about the Chinese efforts in, in the elections coming up. So may do that here in the next episode as we get a little bit closer to the general elections. But I really just wanted, again, try to get back on this cadence of every couple of weeks, taking 30 minutes-ish to just, you know, talk about some of the the things that are happening out there. Uh, hopefully the next episode won't, or excuse me, next episode won't be nearly as heavy. But I think, again, as I said at, at the beginning of the show, just listening to that intro and how it relates to why we need to be mindful, be active in cybersecurity. I mean, it, it really is now a matter of life and death. And again, trying not to over-exaggerate 
or you know use hyperbole to get this point across but it is it's such an issue we've got to worry about but with that i think i will call it a day thank you for listening if you're not subscribe to the show please do that i mean that really just helps amplify this show and you know getting out to others who may be of interest or this topic may be of interest to them also you know subscribe rate and review i mean again all of that goes to help amplify and get this message out there and you know if you would leave me a comment let me know how i'm doing let me know what things that you're most interested in. You know, I can touch on that if there's any particular topics or stories that you want me to cover. You know, I can do that. I mean, my Facebook page is there, Twitter page is there. You know, just let me know what you think, what you want to hear. And here in a couple of weeks, uh, granted that, and I forgot to mention last time, I am getting grad school. I'm going back for my PhD back at Purdue University. Uh, so I am busy, you know, between that and the family and work and pretty, pretty much have um, my work cut out for me. And there's not a lack of things to keep me entertained or engaged or um, off of my butt. Because when I get in a lazy mode, I can get in a really big uh, lazy mode and not do jack. <laughs> so this helps me keep active. Uh, But anyway, I hope you guys have a cyber safe day and week, and we will talk to you all on the next episode. Until then, be safe. See ya.